Hello and welcome to the Football Faithful Podcast. My name's Sam Steen and oh, what a weekend of action we have to discuss today. Liverpool keep going, just about. Arsenal are back and, you know, we always rated those boys. Pogba and Rashford keep the Ole train rolling and Spurs leave it late again. But how much longer can they keep things going? There's all of that and a whole lot more besides. And joining me to talk about all of it is Peter Henry. Hi, Peter. How's it going, lads? Not too bad. Carl Williams there as well. Hi, Carl. How are we doing, guys? Good, good. And Anthony Kelly. Hi, Ant. How's it going, lads? How are we doing? Good. Uh, well, I think we need to start with some quite sad and fairly shocking news. Um, I'm sure many people by the time you've heard this will have heard about it, but uh, the Emiliano Sala, the Argentinian footballer who signed for Cardiff City last Saturday, was on a private plane that disappeared near the Channel Isles on Monday evening, prompting an extensive search and a rescue operation that was suspended at 5pm today, which is Tuesday, with Guernsey Police admitting that the chances of survival are slim. Obviously, we don't have any more information on that, but I think it goes without saying that our thoughts and the thoughts of everyone here at the Football Faithful go out to him, the pilot, and, of course, their families. Guys, it's it's kind of hard just to jump into, into you know your moment of the week when you're hearing no, news like this. It sort of puts all of the drama and all of the kind of importance that we place on all of that sort of into perspective doesn't it yeah it's uh yeah it, it, it's pretty pretty shocking I, I woke up and saw it this morning and it kind of kind of sometimes with news like that it takes a little bit of time before you kind of really it hits you how, how serious it, it is you know Um, like at first i just saw a plane missing so you didn't really know and then obviously as the day's gone on and you know i think you know, by calling off the search now, they've essentially like it's going to be very difficult for somebody to to survive in 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 water, even if they did get out of the plane. So you know, it, it doesn't look good, and it's it's obviously a very sad story. And you know, for him as well, because he, I think he was, I don't know too much about him, but I know that he kind of played his whole career in in Nantes, and he's kind of been a bit of a, or sorry, not in Nantes necessarily, but in France, and he's been a bit of a late developer, and only just got his big move to, to the Premier League. So, uh, yeah, it's it's really, really sad news. And um, I actually saw on Twitter earlier that he turned down a big money move to, to China because he'd uh, he'd already give, gave Cardiff his word to come, which makes it even sadder, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, tragic, really, really it is. But, uh, well, we do need to move on. Um, there is football to talk about, but uh, as we said, our thoughts to, to him, of course, and, and his pilot, you know, Hopefully, there's some good news at the end of it. But uh, if not, our thoughts with him is uh, him and their families, of course. Uh, let's talk about the moment of the week then, Peter. Go on, give us some good news. Yeah, actually, uh, there was quite a lot of um, you know really entertaining moments this week uh, weekend. Um, it, I think we could have fill out the honourable mentions section quite easily. But uh, for me, it's a bit of a personal thing, you know, Sam. I've always been a big fan of Alexander Mitrovic because I think he has a kind of Cantona level of moment of madness in him at some stage during mm-hmm. his career and I thought his his DDT on Davison Sanchez <laughs> during the running day was, was just classic and then Pharrell Pur- Sanchez got booked as well which like I don't know where the roster ref was thinking there but um, yeah no that, that was just hilarious so if you haven't seen it, get over to uh, get over to Twitter and watch uh, Alexander Mitrovic getting his uh, WWD, WWE on. It's uh, it's very funny. <laughs> it wasn't just that move, of course. There were some drop kicks kind of going on as well, which I quite enjoyed that in the uh, in the Charlton game. I don't know if anyone had that one. Oh, that is fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, if people haven't seen this Charlton score a late winner uh, everyone goes rushing into the kind of crowd to celebrate someone comes in onto the pitch slips obviously on the slippy pitch and just straighten the balls with one of the Charlton players takes them right out it's absolutely brilliant (laughs) Uh, what about you Carl what have you got well for me it has to be um, the Sun newspaper who don't have the best exactly reputation amongst football fans but the classic story that injury-ridden Spurs want to solve their injury crisis by signing Andy fucking Carroll from West Ham. I mean, whatever fucking journalist comes up with that story, <laughs> he's been playing <laughs> FIFA career mode too much. Well, Carol, did you not see that. the other one that, um, because we, we actually did something on the, on the site during the week about it, like, uh, they were, like, some somebody is just sitting in a room going, Spurs don't have a striker. Oh, Giuseppe Rossi, he's actually, he's training with Man United. So, actually, well, that, that just makes sense. So, we'll ask Pochettino. Pochettino goes, what are you talking about? That's just ridiculous. And next minute, every website is reporting, like, Pochettino denies the Spurs are trying to sign it, as if it's actually a real story. Like, the, how transfer, how some transfer rumours just evolved. Like, it's literally people just making this stuff up. Like, club uh, is a striker. Player Y is without a club. Well, they must want to sign him, like, you know. That's a chaos, isn't it? That's a chaos. I mean, I don't even... I can't understand the editor who actually wanted to publish that. It's madness. Well, listen, we're talking about it now, so it's uh, it's done its job. And uh, we'll, we'll come on to uh, to Spurs and transfers and what they need a bit later on. Uh, but, uh, Ant, what about you? What's your moment of the week? Well, you actually stole mine, Sam, with the Charlton story. Yeah, the, I, I had that down. I, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. The, uh, the poor Charlton fan, like, just desperately trying to keep his feet and then just <laughs> cleaning out his own players as well. And I, I'd totally forgotten as well that, like, Lee Bowyer is the manager of Charlton. And I just think it's really ironic that one of the dirtiest, tough, most tough tackling midfield players has lost one of his midfield players to a stupid tackle. And that's really good. Like, it hasn't lost on me. But um, I suppose, like, if I'm going to have to go for a second one, it would have to be, um, I don't know if anybody saw it, but there was a 104-year-old Liverpool supporter um, invited to the game uh, at Anfield and obviously it was a bit of a crazy topsy-turvy game of football not exactly the most uh, luxurious game to football to watch and it was obviously ended 4-3 and apparently uh, Klopp went over and, and met the fan after the game and his first words to the fan were um, I'm really glad that you, you survived that game and it didn't kill you just <laughs> 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 You know, it's a typical clap, like, well done, you yeah, like an 104-year-old Liverpool fan. Brilliant. Did you see Jared, jo- uh, Milner getting sent off by his old school coach? Yeah, that's brilliant, yeah. Uh, yeah teacher, wasn't it, Pete? It was a, it was PE a teacher, teacher, yeah. 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 And then there was Rondon kicking the ball. Did you see that? Rondon kick- that's what I said. There was just too many this weekend. Normally, I'm kind of scratching around for one. But like there's just too many this weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, let's start with that Liverpool game then. As you said, and it was uh, Liverpool four, Crystal Palace three, and I, I'm really starting to believe in the football faithful curse now because last week I was saying that the most impressive thing about Liverpool at this stage in their development under Klopp is how mature they are and how they don't, you know, they close out games. They don't. They're not just like heavy metal football, just going for it, going for it, going for it. And then this happened. It was just absolute fucking panic stations. What what was going on? Is it just a case of all those injuries? bearing fruit or is it just that Woy's a genius you just need to stop jinxing my fucking team Sam that's what you need to stop doing mate you know what I mean <laughs> now um, I think it was just an absolutely crazy game there is something about Crystal Palace um, when they play us they do their Real Madrid impression and you know a team that's only scored about six goals all season is suddenly scored in three at Anfield where we've only conceded about five all season it's, it's, it really was just a crazy crazy game of football and um, 
as I say, I, I was looking at Liverpool's last five results against Crystal Palace, and they're all wins. I, I just I, you, you, you do a double take. I couldn't believe it because they play so well every time they play against us, and they really are a bit of a bogey side. So I was so relieved at the final whistle. But um, in, in terms of in terms of the game, I, I think what with, with them getting ahead at half time. I think Klopp has said, you know, bollocks to this. We 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 need to win. A draw is not good enough, and let's just sort of abandon all abandon all caution and just go for the win. <laughs> um, so we we sort of went out in the second half with this crazy crazy tempo, and um, I, I think I lost count of the amount of times I said to myself, "That's crap. That's not good enough. That's crap." Bloody hell! And I did. We were just giving the ball away left, right, and centre, and then hunting it back, and then charging, giving the ball away, hunting it back, and in the end, we somehow would adversely got ourselves four two up, but it was. It was just one of those crazy, crazy games. Um, I think, as you say, the injuries have definitely played a part. I, I mentioned last week about Wijnaldum. I think he gives us so much control in midfield. Um, you know, we, we started Cater and he was okay. He wasn't he wasn't atrocious again, but he, he just he was just playing safe passes and he, he didn't look like he knew when to release a pass. And there was a moment in the first half when we were, we were counter-attacking and... He was him on the ball. Um, initially, I thought it was a, it was Mane, and I was like, "Shit, it's Gator. He's not very good in these positions." And he had Salah running ahead of him, and he just seems to run out of juice. He seems to run out of gas, and he got closed down. And Milhailovic came in and made a really good tackle. And you're thinking, really, you should be trying to play Salah in there and get you know getting in behind. That that's a really strong position. So, I do think he needs to step up a little bit, especially if Wijnaldum is going to be carrying a bit of a knock and. Fabinho pulled a hamstring at the end of the game, so he's going to have to play a bit more. So that is something Liverpool fans are really going to have to hope that they, uh, they get the best out of them. Uh, I also think, obviously, Milner playing at, um, at right-back was a dream for Saha during the match. He just seems to be skinning them every game. Obviously, Milner's got himself sent off in the end uh, with two clumsy tackles. But I think there's been a bit of um, a bit of hyperbole about uh, Saha after the game. I've seen like a lot of tweets from Liverpool fans saying that they'd want to side him for Liverpool and stuff. And... Yeah, I've got to remember he was playing a 33-year-old midfielder It was, you know, filling it right back for the game. And it, it, I think that told uh, in the second half. He was getting a lot of joy. His middle was getting more and more tired. And uh, I think that contributed to how lopsided the game was as well. So, I was I, in the end, I was just pleased to see the back of it, really. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's that's kind of the thing about that game, Peter, isn't it? Is I wonder... I wonder. Do you think it's you know you know like when Man United used to win these games, they used to like these late games or games you didn't think they were they were going to win, and they got the result on their way towards titles. Is this one of those things, or with all those injuries building up, and there's a lot of them now, uh, and suspensions as well? Is it sort of like you know the wheels are starting to come off, or, or what? Um, I don't know. Listen, like it's hard to tell. Like you, you know, you're. You're always like injuries happen to every club throughout the season. You know, most clubs will go through a period where their their backs are to the wall get with injuries and stuff like that. Um, you know, I I think I said a couple of weeks ago, like you never like you never win a Premier League title without kind of really defining moments. And you know, it, the, the, I'll be honest, the worry for me would be that Liverpool, are, as far as I can see, can now have a, kind of had a few of them. Um, you've got the kind of, you know, the storage last minute goal. You've got the, the, the worry in what sense? The worry for Liverpool or the worry as a United fan hoping that they don't win the league? <laughs> yeah, the worry as a Man United fan. Okay, right. Um, but, and then, you know, the Pickford one and then like, you know, realistic, like Spironi, you know, throws a goal into it, throws a ball into his own net as well. You know, you're, you're going to need them little, little breaks along the way. Um, 
but you know, like you, you're not going to play. Like it, it's all about just getting the getting the result at any stage of the season, but especially in the second part of the season when when you're going for a league title, you're not going to play brilliant every week. It's it's just as simple as that, and uh, it's just all about the three points for Liverpool at the moment. They got over the line and. You know, I don't. If Liverpool won every game, scraped every game one nil between now and the end of the season, I don't think their fans will be be too unhappy. I think they've had to. I know they went after Crystal Palace the other day, but I think in general, to to, to be as successful as they have in terms of picking up resu- results this season, Klopp has had to change his style. Um, so you can't have it all. You know, you can't be gung ho. And uh, although City maybe did a little bit last year, but no, I think I think Liverpool are. Liverpool are, have, have have shown themselves to be an absolutely top class team over the last over the course of this season, and um, they're in a very strong position now. So, you know, it's it, it's set up very very nicely between them and City. Um, you know, and, and I personally I'd find it very hard to call at the moment. Um, the only thing that I would say maybe why I might think it might be Liverpool is because I can just see them having more of them little defining moments at the moment. Yeah, I wouldn't. I for, sorry to answer. I, I didn't actually answer your question. I don't think there's too much to be worried for for Liverpool because they, you know they got over the line. That's the main thing. Well, in that game, and I mean, are, are you worried? Last week you spoke about Liverpool having to make signings because of the injury crisis that was sort of looming. That seems to just be even worse now. So, do you think they need to go into the market? No, I don't think they will. Uh, there's no indication that they will either. Um, well. well I personally, I'm always of the view that I don't think you can have enough good players. I don't think you can ever not strengthen your team, no matter how good you think it is, no matter how good it looks. As I say, I always throw a couple of injuries into the equation, into the squad. And as Pete says, it can happen to any team, and all of a sudden you, you, you've, you're Fred there. So I personally would would welcome a couple of signings at Liverpool just to bolster the ranks. But looking at the recruitment in the summer, we've got Shakiri and Keita. Um, who have got to now play. They've got to step up. I mean, Fabinho's done his hamstring. He's already a doubt for the Leicester game, which is about 10 days away because we're not in the FA Cup next week. So it, it must be quite a severe one. Um, Henderson's got a bit of a ropey track record for injuries. Milner's 33. Um, you know, Lallana's... You, you can't count on Lallana for a season. And Oxlade chamberlain is, you know, recovering from a really bad knee injury. So... You know, these guys are going to have to play. Uh, it's as simple as that. You know, you, we spent 53 million on Keita and, uh, you know, 13 million on Shakiri. These are two international players who've come to the club with good reputations. So this, this hope will be that they can, you know, step in and, and start doing a bit of a shift. And, you know, if Oxley Chamberlain does come back, if Lalana can play a few games, you know, then hopefully we've we, we've got that depth to carry us over. But um, it, it's all, I think it's all dependent on what those two do for us, really. I think if they can. Start to perform yes. will help us, you know. And it's not really like I, I, I know they're down a few numbers, but I don't think we can be calling it a full blown crisis. Like, look at Spurs, for example, right? Who didn't buy anyone during the summer and have, and have lost like key key players. Um, say, you know, Man City have pretty much been without De Bruyne for most of the season. Fernandinho missed it. Liverpool still haven't really been out with, with you know, without the, the, their core players as such. I know they do have That's injuries. That's what I'm, I'm saying, Pete. That, yeah, but that, that, that's kind of what I'm, I'm hinting at, really, because I, my, my concern, any Liverpool fans fear, and, you know, as I mentioned the FA Cup game the other day, that was our second team and that worried me how weak they looked. Um, you, you take Van Dijk out that back four, it's a completely different beast. You know, Matip's not a leader, Lovren's not a leader, Gomez is excellent, but whether he can step up and fill the you know, massive gap left by Van Dijk, if that does happen, 
touch wood, it won't. You know, the, the front three have all played a lot of football. Um, Mane's had a couple of injuries for Liverpool in the past. He's done his knee um, for us once. You know, Salah's played a lot of games for me. No, God, I don't even know how he's still, how he's still playing. So, my, as I said to Sam before, I would just like to see... I always welcome transfers as they come in, just to bolster the ranks. Um, and I think in, in Liverpool's glory days, no matter how well Liverpool were doing in the 70s and 80s, he would always sign three or four players. He would always do it. Because it, it keeps not only does it keep the players in the toes, but you get you're just keeping that quality coming in. So yeah, as I say, I don't think it's going to happen, but I would I would like to see a couple of players brought in. Fair enough. Well, we'll uh, keep our eyes on that one. Uh, moving on to the sort of fight for the top four: Arsenal two, Chelsea nil. Um, last week, you know, we were saying that Chelsea were sort of tightening their grip on the top four, and Arsenal were sort of slipping away. So obviously, this is what happened. Um, Carl, what was it? Was it a case of two sides that are sort of in transition and one has good attacking players and strikers and one doesn't? Yeah, I think you've got <clears throat> you got two teams, aren't you? That you just never know what team's going to turn up on the day at the moment. You know, they both can either be brilliant or if if they're not in the right mood, then both can either be really poor. Um, and you kind of get that with Chelsea right now. You know, it, it happened when they played us at Wembley. You just could tell from minute one of the game that they weren't really putting their bodies on the line or the effort in. Um, and it was just going to be one of them days where nothing went from. Um, but then the following week, they can go and blitz a team, um, you know, and look really impressive. And I think that's what you've got there. Two sides who transitional seasons for them under new managers. Um, both managers probably still looking to try and or need a couple more windows to sign and finalise the squads that they actually really want. Um, and, you know, unfortunately on the day, Arsenal just played better and Chelsea didn't really show up again. Um, <clears throat> the worry for me would be Arsenal, I think, you know, have always got goals in them with their attacking players. So they wouldn't be so worried that they could go into a game and not score. Whereas for Chelsea at the moment, the worry must be where the goals are coming from. Because if Hazard doesn't really seem to be firing, then you do you are asking questions. They're like, well, where are the other goals in this side um, coming from? And I think obviously if, if they don't sort someone like the Higuain transfer out, then that could be something that really kind of like comes back to bite them at the end of the season if they just miss out on that top four. Um, but yeah, you know, the worry could be that Chelsea's next game, they could go and blitz, blitz someone and put a performance in, which is not too great. Not too great if you're a Spurs fan this week, but it is two teams in transition. Both managers probably looking that they need players in. They're not, you know, they're probably not fully happy with the squads. And, you know, Chelsea started off on fire like they do every season normally. But we're starting to see those telltale signs now where they just can put those performances in. And it doesn't help when you're kind of not playing your best players in their best positions. You know, he's stuck with this Kante position and tried to turn him into this new, you know, box-to-box creative midfielder. And it's just not his game. Um, So it'd be interesting to see where he goes with that. But as I say... That result, you know, I wasn't too surprised that Arsenal were reasonably strong at home this year. Um, Chelsea not so strong away, so it wasn't such a shock for me. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Carl mentioned there that uh, two managers that aren't happy. Peter Sarri really not happy with his side. Well, maybe, you know, not so angry, but just disappointed when he said uh, they're extremely difficult to motivate. That's that's not a good sign, is it? No, and, and like, you know, because obviously with the website, like I follow a lot of what's said and nearly on you know in every post-match pre-match 
post and pre-match press conferences and, and pretty much everything that all the managers are saying. And he's been complaining about their mentality for, for, for a good few weeks now. Um, he's been pretty harsh in, in, in most of his comments after games, you know, even after Newcastle, he wasn't happy. And um, I, I, I'd kind of be a bit worried for Sari now um, because, like, we've all been, we've all seen, you know, watched the Premier League for the last 15, whatever years since Abramovich is in, has, has been the manager of Chelsea. Once a manager starts falling out with players at Chelsea, they usually don't last too much long after, you know, there's a massive body of work that, that tells us tells us that, like, you know, Hazard did an interview with France Football yesterday and he said, uh, yeah, I, I do, I'm frustrating, I'm, I'm frustrating, uh, sorry, sorry's frustrated with me, but sure, I frustrated Conte and Mourinho as well. So, you know, that's not a great sign. So, like, what, you know? What's wrong with them, Billy? Um, Is it a case of, like, once the title's out of reach, they just sort of down tools and go, grand, we'll, we'll have another go next year and see what happens? Yeah, I don't know. It's a strange one, like, because now, like, uh, you know, at the start of the season, it was all Sarri and his philosophy is amazing. It's all brilliant. And, like, you know, then once they, you know, they, they get into a sticky patch, next minute his philosophy is the problem, you know what I mean? So Chelsea are a strange club, though, um, in terms of how it operates. You know, like, the, I, I remember at the start of the season, I, you know, when Everton was brilliant with Sarri, and I was actually tipping them to do really well this season, you're kind of... We were still kind of saying that, you know, that group of players is about as fickle as a 14-year-old girl. So, it, you know, it just seems to be that when things stop going their way at Chelsea, the player power seems to have player powers in the game much more than, than it was years ago. But it seems to Chelsea was maybe one of the first clubs where it became really prevalent. And, and I just think... Yeah, I, I don't think I would. I think just with it being Chelsea, I think you kind of have to be a bit worried for them because things are obviously aren't going well at the moment. And once you're coming out and you know, you know, a lot of people say the worst thing you can do is come out and publicly criticize your players. And and he, like he went for them after after the Arsenal match, saying I, I I can't motivate you to a group of professionals is, is pretty harsh thing to do. And doesn't res- like it said, doesn't reflect be, well on him taken- though either, does it? Because like that's literally his job, you know. No, no. No, definitely not. It's, it's, that's what I said. I'd be worried for him. It's not a great situation at all. Now, the other side of the coin is they get Higuain in this week and he starts finishing off the chances because, you know, they're, they dominate every game, but they've got into this habit of just having sterile possession for the sake of it. Um, yeah. And that's even almost even more boring, boring to watch than people just hoofing the ball at times, you know what I mean? Because you're just going, they're not actually going to do anything with it here. So, like, one shot on target the other night, and they, yeah. I think they've, they, haven't even, they haven't scored in, 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 a, in a good few of their, their last few Premier League games. So, you know, this, they get in. If they get Higuain in and he starts banging in the goals because he, he had the best season of his career under Sarri at Napoli. I, I, I think he's having the so, worst season of his career at the moment, though, isn't he? Yeah, but you know he kind of got forced out of Juve because of the Ronaldo deal yeah. and, and AC Milan, and he he hasn't done too bad. I think he scored maybe six goals in fifteen games, which is more than you know, more than you know Giroud or Morata <laughs> yeah. were doing for Chelsea at the moment. So like it, it, it'll be interesting to see. But I I'd be honest, I'd be quite wor- worried for Sarri because Chelsea aren't in good form the last few weeks. Um, and unless Higuain comes in and hits the ground running, the, the players at the moment don't seem to be over, overly, um, overly happy with how they're playing. And the whole thing, even with Jor- Jorginho and stuff, you know, 
a philosophy is great. And I read a good line about it the other day. But once a manager, once manager starts getting critic, criticism like over the, the Kante and Jorginho thing, it then becomes dogma and, you know, it just becomes a stick for everyone to beat them with. So, yeah, yeah it's, it, it's definitely, it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out with Sarri over the next few weeks, I would say. It seems like it would be mad to sack him though, doesn't it? No, but I'm not saying they'll sack him like straight away. But you know, he, he well, look, listen, he's he's going to be sacked as Chelsea manager. Every <laughs> manager gets sacked. You know, yeah. I think he's probably gone into it with his eyes wide open. Like you probably you take the Chelsea job. I'm going to be the first person ever to stay here for five years. No, you go <laughs> look. You go look. It'll be like eighteen months, two years. Yeah, grand. I, I get a new house out of it, and then golden yeah. grand. Like uh, no, even look. You look at Hazard. Even like look. And that's why, like, people say, oh, you shouldn't criticise him because he's not as good as Messi and that, even though he has that. But every manager that comes into Chelsea, he seems to be brilliant for a season. They do well. And then he just seems to, like, just dip off, you know? And yeah. then the manager usually goes. I'm not saying it's all Hazard's fault, but he's kind of their best player. So, you know, he, he's kind of... You can make the comparison with him quite easily. But that's the way it was with Mourinho. Mourinho came in, brilliant, won the league, terrible... Conte won the league, not so good the following season, and he hasn't even given the the full brilliant season this time. Yeah. To so, uh, what about Arsenal then? And uh, is there, any, I mean, is there anything that can be kind of learned or, or gleaned from that result for Arsenal, or was it just that Chelsea were quite poor in the day and, and their strikers did the business? Yeah, you almost feel sorry for Arsenal, don't you? Because that's a really, really good result, uh, beating Chelsea two 0 But all the talks about Chelsea, how how poor they were. Um, I think there's been a couple of performances this season under Emery um, with um, um, for Arsenal where they've shown real maturity and like a a bit more of a sort of steely underbelly, uh, um, which has not been there in previous years. I think the defence is still really weak, but they showed real control over uh, against Chelsea, real maturity. Um, they've, they've impressed me in like flashes, like like against Liverpool at home. They were really good. They were really good against Spurs in the derby. Sorry, Carl, but um, you know, but they were uh, they, they were excellent against Chelsea. To be fair, they, um, they, I think they sensed a bit of weakness from the opponents and they went for it. Um, I still personally don't think there's too much to learn from the game. I, I think like Chelsea, there's a lot of work to be done still at Arsenal. Um, and if I'm being brutally honest, I don't think they're the top four material. Uh, you know, Bellerin's out again for the end of the season. He, he's a top-class player for them, but he, he's had yet another injury. It's going to be a massive blow. Uh, there's the Ozil situation, Ramsey's going. Um, so there's a lot of things still for Emery to fix there. And I, I, I think looking at it, um, you know, fifth and a trophy might be what, what they can hope for. But little there's little signs there that Emery is starting to sort of instill like a new mentality, a bit more of a sort of hard work and, you know, less sort of, less all about the philosophy of Wenger and pinging the ball around neatly and, as Pete was saying before, almost sort of sterile possession. Um, I think the Arsenal do have a bit more of an end product of Emery and a bit more sort of cut and thrust about them. Um, but it's still just a lot of work to be done and hopefully Arsenal fans will realise that because I think he actually is a very, very good manager. And, um, you know, it'd be a shame to see him get sacked if the fans are moaning because they're not in the top four this season. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. But, uh, Peter, we'll move on to United 2, Brighton 1. Uh, Ant just said that, uh, <laughs> that Arsenal could finish fifth. Well, now they're level on points, having been way ahead uh, of United. And mm. uh, and your boys, Rashford and Pogba, they did it again. Yeah, my lads, huh? No, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, it's been brilliant, like, you know, to, to make up eight points 
No, they were 11 behind. I have my maths right this time, this week, lads. To be 11 behind a month ago and to make up eight points in the space of pretty much a month, I think, is is superb, you know? That's on fourth place, Chelsea, yeah. Yeah, although we like we actually haven't we actually well to the top four I'm talking yeah. about yeah sorry I'm talking about top four I don't really care about fifth, um so you know that that that's been a, a brilliant achievement and and I think that Arsenal and Chelsea Arsenal were good the other night but neither of them are kind of in the best of form at the moment either so um it's been really good like the the match itself against Reading they were good in in bits and pieces of of the first half but. Probably, de- you know, definitely not the the most convincing performance, um, you know, un- under Solskjaer by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, as I said earlier, you're not going to play brilliant every week, and and they got the result. And Brighton can be an awkward, especially for a team like Man United, um, who you know Lindelof's improved, but he's he's a bit weak under a high ball, and and Jones is just Phil Jones. So I kind of <laughs> I would have expected Glenn Murray to kind of give them a bit of a tough afternoon. And, you know, Duffy and, and Dunk are kind of a threat from set pieces. So it was a bit nervy at times in the second half, but they did all right. And, yeah, listen, Rashford was, was absolutely superb again. And, you know, I'd obviously um, criticised him and, 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 you know, Pogba and that a lot. But it just shows, you know, how, how, much, how important it is for a player to have, you know, to have confidence um, and belief from their coach because to be fair to Rashford, he was not a player who you could accuse of having down toodles. He was always working really hard right up until the end with Mourinho, but he just obviously didn't have that confidence. And I think that I think one of the issues with Mourinho was that like if if a striker missed a chance or somebody gave the ball away, you know, there was he was so harsh that you were out of the team, you know. Yeah. Um, and when people felt that pressure, it, it, it was. You know, it was stopping them to perform to their best. And I think, you know, Solskjaer's let Rashford know he doesn't mind them trying things, losing the ball, you know, missing a few chances. Um, and by just having that extra freedom, he's actually missing less chances. You know what I mean? So, um, and I think even it, it runs right through the team, even to, you know, Gary Neville slated Matic and, and, for, and Herrera, um, I think after the Liverpool game, and quite a few times about not being able to pass the ball forward. And, Madic is is Madic is splitting splitting the lines with some nice passes a couple of a couple of times a game now for United. Um, so like they were, he is able to pass forward. It's just he's not. He knows now that he's not going to be at if if he doesn't. You know, if he gives away possession. So um, like there's been improvements. Like I said, you're kind of all over all over the park. And yeah, the, like the Spurs match. I was kind of you know I was I was out at the time. I was just following Spurs and. On uh, on the live feed or whatever, but um, yeah, like if Spurs had a, they didn't in the end. But if Spurs had a drop points, you know, it could have been there would have been four teams really gunning for them, them uh, third and plate and fourth place positions. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it, it, like I said last week. It's just brilliant for United to kind of have given themselves a chance. Like three points, fifteen game, games to go to the top four. It's on like in terms of of having a chance. You know what I mean? Something that that we didn't think was possible. So uh, yeah, really positive, and they're playing with you know they're playing with a freedom and, and, and confidence, which which is great to see. So uh, yeah, it's all good at the moment. Um, I actually don't think we've been behind in the game since he came in. No, I mean, we haven't. So, no. Yeah. No. So there's like there's just little 
that'll be interesting to see how we react to that and other little bits and pieces. But, um, yeah, I can't, can't complain at the moment, Sam. Good, good, good. Uh, i tell you who can complain, though, Carl. That's Jose Mourinho. He's been popping off in the press a bit and uh, saying that he didn't get the same backing as Klopp and Pep. Uh, <laughs> off you go. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, I think... You can't really say much more about Joe Say, can you? To be honest, I mean, he's had enough back in there, isn't he? Let's face it. I pretty, you know, I wouldn't have mind if Spurs had backed Poch with that sort of money. Um, <laughs> I think we'd be seeing a title at White Hart Lane by now, and and a, and a side that you could be proud of that's still going out and playing attacking football. Um, I, I don't know what happens in Mourinho's head sometimes, you know, coming out with those sort of comments. I'm not sure. Does he think anyone's going to suddenly feel sympathy for him or not look up the players he's, he was allowed to buy and say, well, actually, hold on a minute. You know, you, you, is is what you were able to spend. So I'm not sure you can back that. Uh, Jose just lost it, hasn't he? He yeah, lost yeah. that magic. You know, the bottom line is he now, when he first came, he had the Brian Cluffs about him, you know, you, you know, likeable, even, you know, you didn't want to like him, but you did like him. You know, he said, he said all the right things that even though you didn't want him to be successful, you had to laugh. And, but now he's just a miserable old man who just is like the world's always <laughs> against him. And, you know, it's poor old me, poor old me. And it's just like, sorry, mate, you, you've lost it. You, you haven't evolved. Um, you still think the same sort of tactics of slagging certain players off is going to work. Um, and it doesn't nowadays, you know, the modern players don't respond to that sort of tactic anymore. And you will just end up turning the squad against you in the end. And he's paying the price for, for what's happened there, isn't he? And for his own actions, you know, the same at Chelsea. The minute he slagged the doctor off in that game, you know, the, 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 the club and the players kind of, you know, resented him a little bit. And we all know how that ends. If you lose the dressing room like that, then... It's not very often that the manager actually survives, but he, he can't complain, can he? No, Carl, just... it's kind of the classic example, I, and I know I defended Mourinho like a lot, a lot, but it's kind of the classic example, like football, business, whatever, of someone having been successful doing things a certain way for like a decade, decade or so, and then just refusing yeah. to admit yeah. that things Definitely. change because, yeah. like with. Obviously, how you deal with players, everything, and, and even cl- how clubs, the structure of clubs, everything is different now. But, like, yeah, like one of the things I always think about Ferguson, what I'd be most impressed with about Ferguson, is that he managed to, like, you think about how Man United was in 1986 when he took over. Like, he, he managed to evolve so much through different generations of players and stuff, you know? To, to, to stay at that level for 26 years, he constantly had to change how he managed everything. And that's always kind of the most impressive thing. And I think Jose hasn't, hasn't been able to realise that. He's just trying the same things that worked from yeah. at Chelsea in 2006. They just don't work anymore, you know? Yeah, because it's, it's all about like, him, isn't it? Isn't it? He's, he seems to be stuck in a time warp. And he, you know, cause he, he, in that interview, he kept mentioning Drogba and people like that. And so when I, when I said to Drogba, you know, you, you need to do this, he would react and give me more in the next game. It's like, that's fine, mate. But Drogba was... What eight years ago, nine yeah. years ago, it's reliving the glory years. Game. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It's like you lived in the past, mate. The game's moved on, as as Pete says. Ferguson transcended about five eras of the game. He hasn't realised, is he, that some players will still respond to that treatment, but some players won't. And mm-hmm. you know, exactly. like the, the picking on the likes of Luke Shaw the way he did, and the comments mm-hmm. he made about him, it was clear he wasn't responding to that sort of, you know, treatment. 
you know, back in the day with Terry and Drogba, they may have been the characters that needed a kick up the arse, that enjoyed it. You know, I'm sure United would say, wouldn't they, Pete, that there were certain players who wanted that hairdryer treatment because it made them go out and want to perform. But Fergie would have known there's players in that dressing room that, that don't respond to that. So I have to treat them differently. You know, and, and that I think Mourinho is just stuck to no this as you say, this worked once, so it'll always work. Rooney Rooney was on Monday Night Football a while ago and he, he told a story about Ferguson's man management. So I don't I don't know, just I think it was during a Premier League game, whatever, a big game, and Nanny was playing. Uh, Nanny and Rooney were playing. And supposedly Rooney said that Nanny you couldn't say if you said anything to Nanny, if you criticized him. He just he performed worse, you know. Do you know what I mean? So, but Rooney was the character who could, who actually at times liked to be told off, and he, you know, he'd go out and try and prove you wrong. So, Fergie used to whatever Fergie wanted to say to Nanny, he'd scream at Rooney. But so, he, say Nanny wasn't passing the ball quick enough, he'd be like, "Rooney, you fucking idiot! You need to pass the ball quicker. You need to pass." He'd really be talking to Nanny, but he wouldn't actually do it to Nanny, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's all about... But I think even... Like, you're right. Like, definitely. I think the, back in the day, there was maybe... It was more players who responded to the abrasive style of management. Um, and, you know... But there was always... You'd always say some people need an arm around them. Whereas I think nowadays, it's gone the other way, for sure. But, like, it's not going to change. So, you know, people have to... Yeah, he has to, to change. It's the only way, but... Yeah, exactly. He has to change. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think that's probably enough on Mourinho, is it? I mean, we can just, you know... Yeah, just one, one more point on it. Do you know what's really <laughs> annoying me? And it's the same with, like... Do you know when you see... Like, because I was sick of Mourinho by the time he left, right? As much as I've defended him, I, I was actually sick of it. And even with Sam Allardyce last season... It's what and another trend that's really annoying me in football is as soon as these really it's like as soon as these managers leave they just pop up in a pundit sofa so there's even more headlines coming out about them. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? like, they should be made to just leave football for a year or something afterwards. Because <laughs> like, every day now Sam Allardyce is coming out with some waffle on top sport and you've Mourinho sitting over with like you know things have gone bad when you're in Qatar with with Keys you know, and Gray Keys and, and Andy Gray <laughs> like so. Yeah, yeah, I think true. they should. Their garden leaves should be include no punditry. Thank you. It, it, it's just it's just banter, Pete. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, speaking of banter, are we ready for a game of the quiz? Aye. Uh, perfect. Right. It is everyone's favourite. It's the classic. I name a bunch of teams that a player has played for, and you tell me the player by the team that he's played for. Game. And uh, this week, our first player started his career at Greenwich Borough. Nobody. And. and? And is it Chris Powell? It's not Chris Powell. Then he went to Crystal Peter. Palace. Oh. And? And? Is it Ian Wright? It is Ian Wright. Points. Points. Oh. Very good start. Nice. Very good start. Nice. Nice. Uh, right then, player number two started his career at Charlton Athletic. Carl. Carl. Jermaine Defoe. Not Jermaine Defoe, no. Uh, he had Peter. A, Peter. Paul Castellani. No. Uh, he had a short loan spell at Norwich in the middle of his time at Charlton. If that helps. Peter. Peter. Rule Fox. Not Rule Fox, but nice to hear about him. Uh, after Charlton, he went to Chelsea. Carl. Carl. Scott Parker. It's Scott Parker. Yeah. Very good. Uh, 
Very good indeed. Right, we have one more then. Uh, This player began his career at Newcastle United. And. And. Paul Gascoigne. Not Paul Gascoigne, no. Peter. Peter. Uh, Peter Beardsley. Not Beardsley. No, he's my new. He never played, though, did he? Peter. Peter. Chris Waddle. Not Chris Waddle. So he was at Newcastle for a very long time, but in the middle of it, he had a small loan spell at Stoke. Cow. Carl. Steve Howie. Not Steve Howie. Ant. Ant. Oh, no, don't. Sorry, it's wrong. Shay Given, I was going to say no. It's no wrong. After Newcastle, then he went to Gaziantep BB. That's in Turkey. <laughs> Thanks. After that, he went to Crystal Palace. Nobody? No, no idea. Then he went to Bolton Wanderers. (laughs) (laughs) Then he went to Then he went to Fleetwood Town. Peter? Peter. Steve Harper? No. And then last year finished his career, I think. I think he finished anyway at Notts County. Carl. Carl. Rob Lee. Not Rob Lee. Nah, last last he year finished. finished. He only finished last, last year. year. Yeah, last year. Um. Uh, I'll give you a clue. He pay, He played. 312 times for Newcastle. Oh, this is really obvious, isn't it? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Scored 53 goals between 2000 and 2014. Carl. And? And? It's not Amiobi, is it? It's, it's Shola Amiobi. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> good old Shola. Get in there. <laughs> right, let's crack on then. Uh, Carl, let's talk about full. Uh, let's talk about Fulham one, Spurs two. Spurs left it late, and now Ali's out as well. It's, uh, I mean, good to win, but it feels like every every week I ask you, are you worried? But you're still getting the results. But are you worried? <laughs> it's a shit. It's a shit storm, isn't it? <laughs> An absolute shit storm at the moment. It's like a perfect storm has formed. But I mean, Levy must be doing his nothing right now. Uh, but yeah, I think now um, it, it is starting to get a little bit panicky. Um, you know, there, there is the game itself, there wasn't much in it, to be honest. You could see we had a couple of big players out and we weren't really on it. Um, and nice to see Laurent scored on his first start. Oh, unbelievable. Fucking wrong end. <laughs> yeah, that, um, that, that, you couldn't believe that start for him. And from that point on, he looked a broken man, didn't he? I mean, there were chances, <laughs> two chances he had that you think, well, these, this, was, this was what you was brought for to finish chances like this. And he misses two clear sort of headers. You can just hear um, in his head going, oh, now's your chance, Fernando. Now's your chance. <laughs> no. <laughs> Redeem yourself. Redeem, become a guy. <laughs> like, no, no, fuck that off. He's like Gil um, from The Simpsons. <laughs> it is worrying. I mean, the result, I think the result was massive in the end because I think with that injury coupled with dropping points, I think the heads really could have gone. 
Um, and I think then we, we, you know, the season could possibly have turned in a direction we didn't want it to. So I think the win is massive. It kind of gives everyone a little lift. But I think everyone is actually now looking at that injury list thinking, oh, shit, we're in big trouble here because we know the chances are Levy's not going to go out and suddenly splash 50 mil to bring a couple of key players in. But you so, have to, though. I mean, like, you'd think, well, even as a business, so, you kind of have to, you know? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think the best they, knowing Levy, the best he might look to do is try and go and grab a couple of loan signings from somewhere. But the problem there is you're going to be getting players in who are not first team players at the clubs they're at now so can they have enough of an impact that we would need to possibly secure top four um um, you know i think if you spoke to most first bands now the worry is real because you know confirmed today that ali's now out until march as well so you know kane and ali they were really your real goal threat so with them out and son away we are really looking today at kind of like well actually who is going to score goals because Troy Parrott Troy Parrott yeah I mean we you know you've got two young players Troy Parrott and Kazia Sterling but I wouldn't fancy throwing one of them in and you know hoping that they can save your Champions League aspirations because that's a big ask for young players um at that age but if they don't go and spend nothing or bring anyone in, then that's what you're going to end up being left with because he's not going to do anything with Janssen. I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone before the window's shut. Um, not being funny, knowing Levy, I wouldn't be surprised if Lorente's gone before the window shuts, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you sell Ericsson as well. Yeah, it is really worrying times. I mean, it's that worrying that today I was fucking cheering on Bahrain in the South Asia Cup and you know, <laughs> hoping they were going to beat South Korea, but it never happened. Uh, that, that's when you start getting desperate when you're asking someone in Sports Direct for a Bahrain shirt, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, it, it is worrying. You would think that Levy would have to now accept he needs to dip into the transfer market, but I'm not so sure. I, I just think the bloke's stubborn and he still won't, you know. And if you've got Poch in the line of, you know, press conferences saying he's happy and, you know, we shouldn't worry, we've got the squad to cope, then I, I'm not so confident they'll bring anyone in and they'll just try to get through this period with the side that they've got. Um, he's not really saying that, though, is he? I mean, he, Poch, I mean, he, he's he's saying, like, I don't know, we're, we're at capacity here. We're like, we're, we're, we're breaking down. We've got no I think no the trap is... He, he seems to come out a different press conference, a different day, and you get a different message. You know, yeah. it wasn't that long ago, about a week ago, where he come out saying, as a club, this club needs to do stuff differently to what it's done in the past, which you'd kind of think he's indicating that, well, listen, I've done enough for you on a budget now. I want to spend some money. But then the following press conference is like, no, we're not worried. We're happy with the squad we got. You know, yes, there's a few injuries, but we've got players here and this gives the youngsters a chance to come through. So you never really know. I don't actually know if Pot fucking knows what he's thinking at the moment, other than just, well, I've got to stick a side out um, and that, that's try and do what we can. Um, I, I'm not sure. You know, I think we're, we've always said on the pod, and I've always said to you guys, you know, you always feel Tottenham are really like tethering on a real thin line at the moment, which is you could have this possibly great future, but slip out that top four and suddenly the club loses key players and it slips back four or five years. And at this point now, it's really starting to get, you know, you're touching cloth that we could be going to the way where we're on that line and real slip-ups now towards the end of the season 
could throw everything into turmoil. Because it, it, it seems like, heavy. yeah, he does, he does, yeah. It, like it's, it seems like a hundred million spent now would save or make the club ten times that in the next couple of years. That, that's yeah. the real thing that I think a lot of people can't understand. You know, it was like at some point you've got, you've got, you've reached a ceiling now of what you can achieve based on what you want you've spent before. The only way you go above that ceiling is you have to actually blow some money and bring in a few key players and you have to pay them the sort of money that you, you know, that they want. So, uh, you know, where are you? What is your plan? Do you want to break through that level or are you just happy to stay where you are? Um, I think more people are starting to worry now that Levy's just prepared to stay where we are, get in the new stadium and then, you know, I guess a lot of people think that this is just a ploy to get the club ready to be sold to some American investment firm. And, you know, you never know from there where it goes, do you? You get lucky and you get great owners or you could end up with owners who, who again, want to follow the same model. Yeah. What about the stadium then, Carlin? Uh, I mean, more bad news on that recently. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll be. To be honest, they keep their saying March now. Um, but I think this tactic has been going on all season where they, you know, it, they leave it a month or so, then they, they come out and they normally wait till we've had a good result. And then that night they post the news yeah. saying, oh, actually, we're not going to be in now for another two months. I don't think we'll be in till next season, if I'm honest now. From what you hear, you get the impression that even March is going to be too soon. And at that point, I would agree with people that sort of say, well, I don't actually think they should be allowed to go in the stadium at this point. You know, they should then just be forced to play the season out at Wembley, which I think is what will happen anyway now. Yeah. But Sam, our lads, like I, I think like I said, he deserves a medal. Like he, he has at times come out and like everything he's had to deal with, lack of back in the stadium, you know, not playing players, you know, what, what other clubs have been paying them and stuff. And he's kind of told the party line to, a lot of the time. And, and I don't think a lot, you know, I know that, you know, there's other managers. I think most other managers would be well within their rights to come out and complain a bit more than Pochettino has. But I just think, I don't, and I don't mean this in a bad way, Carl, but I think Spurs are fucked when he leaves, if I'm honest, because I can't see any manager going in there and putting up with all that shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. If goes to United, you're looking at a big name needing to come in. And we all know big names don't come in unless they're guaranteed that they're able to spend a certain budget to kind of improve the club or at least keep it on the same level as the previous manager. And you won't get a big name that's prepared to come in being told, listen, you're going to follow the model the last bloke followed, which is youth and you might get the odd signing here and there, but you certainly ain't getting no one in the bracket that you want. And yeah, no, no real top class manager, I think, would put their reputation on the line for it. Uh, and what about Fulham then, Peter? Uh, I mean, they played well, but they still lost again. Can Ranieri save him? Um, no, I, I don't think so, Sam. I think I think they're headed down. Um, you know, I think a lot of us would like to see. Claudio pull off a bit of a, a great escape, but um, just seems to be, you know, like uh, so many good players though as well, don't they? Yeah, but they're the, just the, the, you know the defensive issues still haven't really. Been, he has got them more solid, but they're still conceding, you know, a lot of goals. Um, they do have some some talent there, but like even the likes of Sherla 
he'll he'll score you a great goal every now and again. But you talk to a Fulham fan, he's absolute shite for the rest of the time. You know, likes a Ryan Babel and Shirley's. They're they're that kind of player that talented, but you know, end product. Well, maybe not with Shirley because he scored a worldy last week. But they, you know, they're not they're not consistent Where players. Great they never really players, had been throughout. They never really have been throughout their careers. Um, no, I think the main thing that you just would tell me they're going down is even when they're playing well, they're not getting results, and that that's not a good sign, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's not impossible they could go on a really big run, but like I, I was talking to Steve, who writes for the website, he's a big he's a big uh, Cottagers fan, and he's kind of um, I think there's kind of just an acceptance among they're very they're very nice group of fans, our Vulham fans, and I think they've just accepted nicely that they're going back to the championship. Fair enough. Uh, Huddersfield nil, City 3 then. Uh, Huddersfield, another side that could be heading down to the championship. But Pep, uh, despite winning 3-0, says that City have to improve if they're to have any chance of winning the league. That is, again, as I said, after they just cruised past Huddersfield 3-0 and have scored 22 in their last four games. And uh, can they improve? Nah, they're shite, aren't they? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I... I, I... <laughs> That it's a frightening fault, isn't it? That you you've got a manager who's such a perfectionist. Who's, uh, you know, as you say, he's twenty-two goals in four games, and he's demanding more. And I think uh, they've scored. I think they've broken the hundred mark for the season in all competitions. Mark, yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred <laughs> goals now, isn't it? it? It's just bonkers. Like, I think that's that's the frightening thing for City. You know, obviously the, the four points behind us, as people say before, three points in, in top four races. It's nothing. You know, what fright? I think what's the frightening thing about City is it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they could win all 15 of their remaining games uh, quite comfortably as well. Um, you know, you, you, you're looking at games and you, you think, oh, Christ, Huddersfield, the bottom of the league, you know, you might give them a bit of a go and you manage your bounce, whatever it may be, and then City just cruise to a 3-0 win. Um, you know, I don't. can they improve? Yes, definitely. Um, you know, De Bruyne uh, has, has got to come back. Gundogan is, you know, blows hot and cold for his fitness, but when I think when he is fit and playing, I think he's he's a phenomenal player. Um, you know, Sané and Sterling are just phenomenal, and I think when they're running in front of De Bruyne, uh, they just open teams up left, right, and centre. There's there's nowhere to hide for defenders. So I think yes, the, the frightening thing is they definitely could get better. Um, I think the hope from all Liverpool fans is somebody somewhere does us a little uh, another little favour. We've already had three. Um, but you know, just one or two more, just to try and give us a bit more breathing room. But yeah, all I think all Liverpool fans can hope for is that we keep on winning and just keep on putting it back onto City and hoping that somewhere along the line that that strain starts to show. They, you know, they're still in the FA Cup, they're still in the Champions League, and that you know, they, and they, they pretty much won the League Cup already, haven't they? But um, but yeah, they're they're a pretty pretty uh, fearsome opponent in the title race, pretty terrifying to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on Huddersfield, then Carl Wagner's out. Um, is there any way back for them? They're ten points from safety. No, I think they're they're gone this year. Unfortunately, you know, it's a brave fight the first year, but I think that second season syndrome kicks in, doesn't it? And unless you really go out and purchase some proven quality, if you're going to look to try and survive with the players you have. Um, that that Huddersfield had got, then there was only one way that was going to go. You know, they don't score enough goals, don't have a real key goal scorer. Um, And in this league, if you can't score goals, then you certainly ain't surviving. So, no, unfortunately, they'll vanish this year, but they'll have enjoyed their ride. And uh, as long as they've set themselves up nicely for that fight in the championship next season, you never know, you could see them back. Uh, Final game then today, we've got Wolves 4, Leicester 3. Peter, that was fun. 
Yeah, that game of the game of the weekend without a shadow of a doubt. Um, absolute mayhem, and uh, you know Jota, Jota was su- superb. He got like uh, only the second second play- Portuguese player ever, along with Ronaldo, to score a, a Premier League hat trick. Um, yeah, really, really good game of football. You know, two kind of mid-table teams just absolutely, absolutely went for it. Like poor old Clad. Cloud Puel there, he he'd some roller roller coaster ride. His team were brutal to start with. Then they come back into it. Then you think you've got a three three draw, and then you lose it right at the end. Like can't be good for you for your heart. That football management lark. Like, um, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I only saw a match of the day. Now I, I was just uh, I was traveling at the time, so I was just getting updates. But it was kind of one of them games. You're going, geez, I can't wait to see the, the highlights of this one later on. Like so. Um, and there was a couple of really, really good goals. A couple of Jota's finishes were excellent. Nava, Neves, great pass to him. And uh, I thought Gray's goal was the, was the pick of the bunch, you know. Great, real kind of old-fashioned speedy winger's goal. So, um, yeah, cracking game of football all round that one. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't look... Wolves continue to kind of impress. And, uh, yeah, was, Leicester are just both well even both teams going into the game it was kind of really hard one to call because as much as I said Wolves are impressive they kind of have the points they've dropped this season have often been in games you think they'd do well in and it, the exact same is the case kind of for Leicester they've had some really big results against top teams but then like lose the teams you expect them to to beat so yeah, what can I say? Just a, a cracking game of football to get the weekend started. Like. Absolutely, and it's uh, it's funny. I mean, it was an unbelievable game on the field, but uh, as so often seems the case, I'm going to start talking about the managers now. Uh, and Ant, I want to ask you about uh, about the Wolves manager, Nuno Espirito Santo, getting sent off for going on to celebrate uh, with the players. I mean, Klopp was doing that not so long ago when we were having a great time laughing at it. I mean, what do you make of that? It was the same, uh, it was the same referee, same wasn't ref, it? Yeah, he sent yeah. Klopp off and he sent off thing. I don't know. I mean, I know, I know Pete was dead against it with Klopp um, against Everton, but I, I I don't mind seeing a bit of passion from the manager. I know they've got to show some restraint and a bit of respect to their opponents to get that, but I, 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 we were talking before about how dry and arid Mourinho had gotten dull and he, he, he initially he'd come into the Premier League and been like a breath of fresh air. I, I actually think the, the game needs a bit of character and you, you, you can't have managers running on the pitch. Yeah, I, I, do, I, I do agree with that. I think that's got to be stopped. You know, they have got to show some restraint. But, you know, I, 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 it's a bit of a storm in a teacup, really. Just, just yeah, send them off, make him pay the fine, that's fine. But to tell him to show some restraint, I don't think there's much to it really. Um, but I just, I personally, it's, it's a preference thing. I like to see characters in the game and uh, Espirito Santo comes across as a proper character, proper fiery. Uh, then it, it, he's a completely different guy off the pitch as well. Apparently he's the most approachable, pleasant fellow to interview. So um, yeah, it's a bit of a storm in a teacup in my opinion. And uh, what about Puel then, Carl? Because we were talking about Leicester last week and kind of going, what what is the point almost of of their season now? Like wondering, is it over because they didn't even try in the cups? But they're not going to go down. They're not going to put up any trees. But I, I wonder, you know, they've got Liverpool and United up next, Leicester, and uh, another two losses would just kind of compound what seems like a, a long run of bad results. Do you think that he could be in danger at any stage, or you know, if they were to get rid of him? Would they be sort of cutting off their nose despite their fate, almost like Southampton did? Yeah, you're never sure you how this goes. You know, you hear lots of fan murmurings, and obviously, like as you say, they won't want to lose too many more before supporters are kind of like questioning whether this is the right bloke. You know, he had it at Southampton, um, but 
let's face it, you know, it's not been the worst season for them. Um, and I, I think for them, a lot of the disappointment will be the sort of cup performance that they put in. You know, if, if they lose some of these league games, um, especially the next couple, you know, I think supporters could accept that. But going out the way they did in the FA Cup and putting in such a meek performance there, that's the sort of thing I now think will have supporters questioning him even more and maybe showing their anger more towards something like that. So I guess you just never know. I mean, this could be one of the topsy turvy seasons for Leicester and you know with everything that's gone on there you, you wouldn't be surprised if you saw a Peel get the get the boot but then you do ask the question of who do they turn to next you know could they maybe look at um what you know the, the guy who's just gone from Fulham and um, he's na- uh, not Fulham Huddersfield his name kind of escapes me at the moment but yeah, you kind of Wagner, Wagner, yeah. Wagner you know could he be someone that they might you know if he's on the market could you look at someone like him and say well look if he can do what he did at Huddersfield with a bigger budget and a better squad, then, you know, do we have to maybe, you know, do something before this bloke gets snapped up? So we're interested in, in Brendan Rodgers by, by all accounts, lads. Yeah, Brendan Rodgers. I've, I've heard Brendan Rodgers a few times, yeah. yeah. Although, I don't, you know, he... Yeah, I, I think he wants to do the, the, become the first Celtic manager to win 10 in a row, so I, I probably don't think... Don't think, but I, I think as much as like Brendan Rodgers, I think we've talked about it before. As much as he talks absolute toilet at times, he's, <laughs> I think he's a really good coach. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's improved every side he's he's been with to a certain level anyway with Liverpool. But uh, an interesting one about Leicester then, actually, because I I do think, I mean, obviously it was an incredible achievement to win the Premier League, and there's not many teams and not many players even who go through a career winning a Premier League but I, I kind of get the feeling that there's a there's a bit of so, show me your medals about them these days you know like they, they'll probably never get close to winning a Premier League again but I, I do wonder if they kind of if they're almost a bit too big for their boots now Did, did yeah. anyone think at the weekend that Schmeichel was, looked like he was carrying a bit of weight I mean, I know he pulled a few off that great Cal. save in the first minute, but he really looked quite heavy. You know, his shirt was kind of going against his stomach and he, he looked like he had a little bit of gut and everything on the go. You know, Morgan's, you know, looking Morgan's the same bigger same Morgan's got a bit of timber on him. They're a very strong group. Of, uh, uh, they have a very strong dressing room of them players, the Vardy and stuff. And I think you said it last week, didn't you, Carl? Vardy's coming out kind of having sly comments and stuff about... Puel at times, and that doesn't help. They remember they they were the players were kind of given a. Do you remember when Ranieri got sacked as well? Everybody kind of blamed the Leicester players for that. But I think Leicester is a kind of weird one, lads, because we all know they won the league, right? But they're like they're not even really, in a way, a kind of established Premier League clubs, except for maybe the last five years. Like how many years had they been down before they came back up and, and you know, they barely stayed up under Pearson and then they, you know, how many years are Leicester in the Premier League? Maybe five, is it? Something Four, like that, yeah. five? Yeah. So, like, it's, it's kind it's of weird. Check. Like, the expect, obviously they've won the league, which is the craziest thing ever, but like, the, the size of a club, they are really, you know, they are where they should be in the table. Like, yeah. Do you know what, Pete? What what does my? I remember Gary Neville talking about it. Um, I think it was in his book. Uh, he, he was talking about when he would be asked about playing against lower league opposition or in, in the cups, and he, he said what you'd often find is that these players will play out the skin against Manchester United. They'd be absolutely fantastic, and they, they give Man U a really good game in the first forty-five minutes. They don't know they don't know they've been in a match, and 
Neville Neville said that he, he got criticised, but he defended his comments. He said that he didn't have any respect for those players. He said he was actually a bit pissed off with them because they were playing against Manchester United like absolute world beaters, then go and get beat 4 0 the next game. And it's the way, it's the kind of the way I, I see the game. Actually, I completely see what he's saying because I can tell you now, as a Liverpool fan, Leicester City will come to Anfield next week, and they'll be bloody fantastic. Um, they'll, they'll, the players will come in, they'll be focused, they'll you know they'll be switched on, and they'll be up for the big game, and they'll make it hard for us. And and you, you just think if you'd gone to Wolves with that attitude, you know, with that same sort of mentality, you'd, you maybe would have won that game. And you maybe ah, that's only mind up. games. That's no. the exact same speech no. Fergie did that made Kevin Keegan go mad, wasn't it? Other teams no, but it's, but it's true, us, no? no, but it's it's true though because no, I, no, I, I, I no, yeah, look, I remember Golden Banks saying it um, in, in a after dinner speech. Or something. <laughs> he, he would say the same. You, you go to these grounds and you step up, and that really pisses me off. You, you should step up every game. You should, you should play every game the same. And I think um, you know these Leicester players have shown the colours before with Ranieri and. It, it wouldn't surprise me if the dressing room had a lot to say there, to be honest with you, because, you know, they, they got Ranieri out, didn't they? So, yeah. if they don't like then chances are he won't survive as well. So Guardiola could be doing an interview now going, where's Ant Kelly? I'd love it. I'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Guardiola quoting me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right then, let's move on. We're almost at the end of the show. We'll get Prick of the Week up shortly, but first it's time for round two of the quiz. And Ant, you're ahead on two. Carl, you've got one. Peter trailing. Uh, you need to step your game up. So the next player uh, began his career at Sao Paulo. Anybody? Crickets there. No. Nope. All right. Peter. Peter. Um, Anderson. No. Nope. Uh, then he went to Zaragoza. Nobody. Uh, he then went to a club called Juventud, but never played for them, uh, and then quickly went on to Palmeiras. This is going to be somebody boss, isn't it? Um, Palmeiras. Went from Palmeiras then to Roma. What the hell? Then I'll make it. No. He was at Roma for six years. And then went to Milan, where he finished his career after playing there for five years. Peter. Peter. Cafu. It is Cafu. Got there in the end. Yeah, big name, big name. Right then. Uh, Peter's on the scoreboard. God, I hope I've got enough. (laughs) I really hope I've got enough (laughs) names this week. (laughs) I got extra ones and all. Uh, Right, this this player started his career at HFC Harlem. Peter. Peter. Rude Hullet. It's Rude Hullet. Very good. Yeah, buddy. Straight out the door. He's right back in it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he is right back in it. Right then. Uh, next player began his career at Watford. And. and Peter. John Barnes. It's not John Barnes. Uh, oh. Did I Ant went, did he? Yeah, John yeah. Barnes. Luther Blissett. It's not Luther Blissett, no. Uh, then he went to Liverpool. Ant. Ant. Ah, uh, Who? David James. It is David James. Very good. Uh, I thought I'd get down to the Icelandic sides with that one, but uh, uh, right, that's it. I'm afraid I've, I've only got one more, so that's it. Ants won it. Uh, congratulations. Yeah. I'll save that other one for next week, and uh, we'll finish off with prick of the week. Peter, who have you got? Um, yeah, the, the initial incident happened last week. It was Rio Ferdinand. I'm not sure if one of the lads picked it, but his, you know, his 
his ridiculous like his ridiculous rant about um Newcastle you know, fans being thankful like, for yeah, Ashley. About yeah. Newcastle fans and you know, even though Jay Jay Humphreys on, on BT kinda made the point, you know, Rio, you have a business relationship with him and all the rest and like he was on live TV and he was kinda of put in the spot a bit, so he just started rambling and you know, fair enough, he got you know, everyone can make mistakes. And it looks it, it looks stupid, especially because he has the business, uh, you know, relationship with Ashley. But even afterwards, like he's been pr- like people have shown him actual facts to say, Rio, you were talking through your arse, mate. None of that's actually true. You know, the, the stuff he was quoting about spend 50 million of his own money. And yeah, all, yeah. He's been completely disproved. But like instead of just holding his hands up and saying I was wrong, he's just basically golden Newcastle fans on Twitter. Like what an arrogant prick! Yeah, yeah, so, he's just gone full you, Trump. Leo. Yeah, he's I'm not, f- I, I, I can't stand him anymore now. After it just shows really what an arrogant prick he is, basically. Yeah, no, that's that's totally fair. He's he's fake newsing it, basically. Uh, yeah. Carl, what have you got? Uh, Craig Paulson for me at the weekend. <laughs> um, when when a player gets DDT'd into the pitch and gets up and turns around and walks away and gets booked for it, and then Danny Rose gets booked for diving when he's clearly taken out on the edge of the box, I'm afraid I can't look no further than that for me this week, mate. <laughs> what a prick. Fair enough. And who have you got? He's like Sean Dyche with a diving watch, isn't he, Carl? He's going to be at the ref watch every week. Yeah, it's a ref. Every, it's, it's kind of a team developing. Whatever ref is in the Spurs game. Prick <laughs> um, of the week. I'm, I'm carrying on with my theme about Australia and about these little bastard clubs coming to Anfield and doing Real Madrid impressions. <laughs> and I've gone for, for Mamadou Sacco purely for the fact that he was like, Doing his um, Berezi impression, you know, chesting the ball down like a cultured centre half, and you know, pinging lovely balls out from the back, and just basically being like stopping every single one of Liverpool's attacks. And I know from watching him eighty times to Liverpool, he was like Bambi on ice for us. So yeah, what a prick. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I think we should do a special mention. It's, it's not really a prick of the week thing, but we, we spoke a bit about Spygate last week. And since then, Bielsa has done this incredible press conference. I don't know if any of you lads were following it. Uh, but basically, where he went in and said, yeah, I was spying on them. And I spied on everyone else as well. And this is how I did it. <laughs> and, then, and then basically went into, and this is, I'll tell you all about Derby and about every single one of their players and absolutely everything that they do. If they kind of scratch their nose, this is what they're thinking. And he just went into this kind of detail that I don't think anyone was ever expecting and just sort of mic dropped it and just walked out. I mean, they lost against Stoke then yesterday before the weekend, but still, I just think that was just top class. I don't know about you, lads. Yeah, get him in the Premier League. Oh, yeah. I think it'll be entertaining. He basically did a 70-minute pre- presentation on how to beat Derby. Yeah, like, he it was got, brilliant. He didn't have to pick Derby, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, he, he basically, like, he, he, he did, like, that was pretty purposeful that he did the entire presentation on Derby. Uh, I, actually, I did I, think it was interesting as well, though, because like the initial reaction on Twitter was like, well, like this is unbelievable, like the detail and stuff. But like afterwards, a lot of other coaches came out and said, well, like, what do you think we all have analysis departments for? Like, you know? Yeah, I so, know. But I really don't think they're going into that kind of detail. And I bet they don't know it as much. I mean, uh, Fr- Frank Lampard was coming out afterwards going, yeah, yeah, we do that as well. Yeah. Uh, fuck off, dude. Fuck yeah, off, dude. Yeah. No, Bielsa is kind of, you know, he's a, there's no doubt that he kind of is, he's definitely a kind of trailblazer and a lot of the stuff he's done over the years and stuff. So I'm sure he does do a lot of things other 
other people don't do. But I think the point was a lot of the analysis he was showing the kind of in terms of wins and you know players, the positions they play, that kind of most clubs actually have that stuff. Yeah, well, there's companies that do that from the outside now that he doesn't actually need to do it himself. I think it's just that he's always done it and that he feels he needs to do it, whether it helps or not. But uh, I thought it was just just such a kind of a, you know, fucking big dick energy move to do that. It was class. <laughs> anyway, uh, right, that's it. Um, that's it for me. Thanks, Peter. Cheers, lads. Enjoyed that. Thanks, Carl. Cheers, guys. See you later. Cheers, Ant. Cheers, lads. Nice one. And we'll be back again next week. Make sure to uh, go along to thefootballfaithful.com for lots more great football content. Support us on Patreon if you want. And, uh, of course, the best thing you can do is tell all your friends, share it around, and if you grab someone's phone, if you have it just for a second, you know, go into their podcast thing and subscribe, even without them knowing. You know, just stealth, stealthy. It's the only way forward, I think. Uh, that's it for me. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Good luck. Thank <laughs> you.